You're listening to WBEZ. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Now let's continue the conversation that we've been having this week on Reset about how this country and our city can address the rise in racist attacks and hate crimes that we're seeing. Enough is enough. We all feel it. So what concrete steps can we take to end the cycle of violence? Well, one thing that we can all do is learn to be anti-racist and practice that in our day-to-day lives. Two guests joining us now can discuss that. Derek Dawson is Program Coordinator for Chicago Regional Organizing for Anti-Racism. Welcome, Derek. Uh, Good morning, Sasha. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. And Rory Smith, member and former co-chair of the Anti-Racism Commission of the Episcopal Diocese of Chicago. Welcome to Reset, Rory. Thank you so much, Sasha Ann. It's a pleasure to be here. Derek, can you start off by helping us with some terminology? What is anti-racism and what does it mean to be anti-racist? Sure. Well, anti-racism is uh, is understanding that race prejudice is not the same thing as racism. Uh, anti-racism is not about training, although um, uh, training can be a part of the work. We recognize that racism cannot be trained away or educated away. Frankly, if it could be, we would have gone away with it uh, quite some time ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, anti-racism or racism, uh, we understand is deeply embedded into the fabric of the United States, that it has been since uh, before the United States was even a nation, the seeds of racism were planted. Uh, anti-racism is not the same, although it does include anti-blackness, uh, but as we've been hearing this morning on WBEZ, it also includes violence against Asian Americans, uh, Latinos, Arab Americans, and Middle Easterners, Uh, It takes into account the genocide of Native American people and all people of color in the United States. And it also recognizes that that, uh, that racism is about power. Uh, We define it as as race prejudice plus the misuse of power by systems and institutions. And so racism, to be anti-racist, means to understand the role of systems and institutions and how racism is promulgated through all of those institutions and in understanding that we all end up being complicit uh, because it is rooted in capitalism and all kinds of other isms. Uh, and mm-hmm. understanding that and dealing with that directly and honestly is the only way to dismantle systemic racism. How does your organization help with that understanding? What do you do? Uh, we do exactly that. We help people understand uh, and make the connections between between systemic racism and and uh, in systems and institutions, uh, you know, we help people understand that if we only focus on things that happened in Buffalo, and El Paso, and Charleston, then we will continue to deal with mass shootings all of the time. What we want to do often is equate racism with bad people, the Klan, a white nationalist, and we get all excited when these things occur, and we deal with them directly. We try to figure out who is the racist. And then we decide that a racist is just a bad apple, somebody that we can easily identify by wearing a white hood. And we don't recognize the ways in which all of our institutions and all of our systems are actually promulgating systemic racism by their policies, the programs, the procedures, uh, things that seem subtle, but are actually very powerful and much more powerful, in fact, uh, than some of the shootings. And the shootings end up being a part of that. Often, we would argue... Uh, a side effect of systemic racism. 
Rory, you've been doing this work for a while with the uh, Episcopal Diocese of Chicago. What was your reaction when you heard that a racist mass shooter had just taken 10 black lives in Buffalo? You know, it's part of the world that we live in. And so it would be wrong to say that I was surprised. I'm obviously saddened. Uh, but the work of dismantling systemic racism, the work of becoming the beloved community um, is the work that says we need to identify what causes uh, these mass shootings to occur, what causes the continuation of oppression in our society, and to tell the truth about it. Um, from the work that we do in, in anti-racism with the commission uh, the Anti-Racism Commission of the Episcopal Diocese of Chicago, and the work that we do as the Episcopal Church is to become the beloved community in a way that uh, recognizes the truth uh, uh, about who we are as a society. So we've got these four things. It's telling the truth. It's proclaiming the way, which is a proclamation of the dream of what this world could be like without the systemic racism that Derek was talking about. Uh, and then this formation, this practicing the way of, of with a healing love, with this uh, unconditional healing love that looks at what we need to do to repair the breach that um, uh, this, this systemic racism has caused. And then to practice the way of making justice, repairing that breach uh, is a way of saying that we recognize that the truth of who we are uh, and what brought us here, mm -hmm. The importance of recognizing what history is, because you know the the, the conversations about this great replacement—that is this twisted um, concept of a fear of change. It's a fear of recognizing that this this our world and our space and our country and our uh, is is available to us all, and that we all need to to live into. The, the joys and the benefits of power and privilege that have been uh, limited to only parts of our society, those segments. And so what we do is we work to have, to advance awareness to uh, what it is about the truth that we should not be afraid of uh, because we need to know that yes, our country has had uh, time after time uh, subjugated others to advance itself, yeah. but in our need to, to, to see ourselves as a good place, we try to forget what's happened in the past and look at just the snapshot of today without taking ownership of the work that needs to be done to create equitable outcomes for everyone. You know, the question on everyone's mind right now is, is really how do we stop this from happening again, right? When we think of this Buffalo shooting, how do we stop this from happening again? This shooter was, was driven by white supremacist ideology. And, and Derek, as you mentioned, your group takes this conscious approach to working in and, and dismantling systems that uphold white supremacy. Can you dig into that a little bit more? I can, I can try. You know, if we only focus on the individual racist, if we only focus on the Dylan Roots, to Rory's point, we're not thinking about the Roots. And our memories are very short in the United States. We tend to be very ahistorical, and we tend to be reactionary. We react to mass shootings. We react to the horror. And of course we do. It's appropriate. 
But what we are not prone to do is go beyond the initial reaction and the initial horror to think about what are the root causes. And the root causes are white supremacy, white supremacy culture that all of us end up being involved in. Um, uh, we only, if we only focus on the mass shootings, without focusing on the fact that we have created a culture uh, that gives that that, that 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 creates an environment that almost welcomes it. If we don't look at institutions like the media, you know, we point to people like Tucker Carlson, who is on the news every night espousing things like the Great Replacement Theory. But we what we do not do is question those who are banning conversations about race and racism all over the country because they, they claim to be afraid of making young white people and white people in general feel badly. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be in discomfort at all. We want to act as if we're a country of racism without any racists. We want to say we are colorblind, that we are good people. And that notion of being colorblind, of not facing the reality of our history and the embedded nature of, of racism within our institutions, then when we constantly decide to see ourselves as good people while electing presidents who espouse hatred throughout the country every day. It's not just about the Tucker Carlson's who espouse it. It's those of us who turn a blind eye, who say that it's the fringe and don't recognize that it has become and perhaps always has been the fabric of this country. Yeah. Rory, I want to hear your thoughts on on that. How do you combat the fact that outlets like Fox are making conspiracy theories like the replacement theory, uh, theory, they're making it go mainstream. Well, you know, we've got this false narrative about equal representation of, of ideologies. Uh, so there's one viewpoint and there's a counter view, viewpoint, but they're not equal. They don't represent the, the whole and yet they're lifted up like that. So our, uh, media uh, has some responsibility in the way in which they uh, uplift uh, these negative narratives and don't speak to the fact that they're lies, right? They don't, uh, the, the ability to, to have integrity requires not just saying the most outrageous thing, but to also say whether or not it's true or not. And so there's, we've got to find a, a way to get to that truth telling that I spoke about earlier, about recognizing what our real history is. Um, it is a challenge that we face and, uh, you know, we try to do this with like creating awareness, but it's not just being aware. It's then what you do with that awareness. You know, we, we've worked with Derek's, uh, organization, Crossroads Anti-Racism to help us get a sense of where we can be and understanding why we are where we are. And I, so I recommend that to any organization that's, that's looking to try and figure out what their role is, yeah. but then the, the the thing is what you do next. It's who do you, who do you talk to, and how do you have conversations with one another that are fruitful? You know, based in the expectation that um, I need to know your context. I need to know where you're getting these ideas from, and explain to me how you feel this way, and let me share with you how I feel the way I am, and then find this common ground about our art that says in faith, you know, it's, it's that we want to treat each other and be treated the way we want to treat someone the way they want to be treated. And we want to be treated uh, 
that similar way. It's so like you find that in almost every religion. Mm -hmm. It's about being the best person you can be and treating people well. And um, that's where we've got to get to that common bond and rebuild that uh, across our nation. To do so, we've also be able to tell the truth about why we are where we are, why some folks are not as far along as others, yeah. and to recognize that the system is continuing to to uh, create those oppressions and marginalizations. So we need to find that space, and that's what we work in our anti-racism commission to do. Derek, what advice do you have for, for people who are just having a difficult time discussing this with, with family members and with friends? One thing I want to say, Sasha, is that it is a mistake. So even as we point out the far right and talk about Tucker Carlson and Fox News, I think one thing we have to understand is that racism is not solely the purview of the far right any more than it is uh, an issue of the southern United States, right? Um, uh, uh, Systemic racism is everywhere. It is in all of our institutions. It is embedded historically. It is as deeply rooted in the Democratic Party as it is in the Republican Party. Systemic racism has been with us forever, and it is irrespective of political parties and ideologies. Uh, So we want to understand that and understand the conversation is not us versus them. It's about the ways in which we all end up being implicated. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to have conversations about it, we have to come to terms with that fact. Because if our conversations are around how to stop those people over there from being racist, right, then we absolve ourselves from our own behaviors, the ways we the ways we behave. We talk about those people over there on Fox News, and we go to our own jobs, and we have restrictions against natural hair, right? We uh, we 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 fall into we fall prey to the divide and conquer strategies that divide black people from Asian people and Arab American people. We ignore the the sovereignty fight that Native American people have been having for hundreds of years in this country and still are. We ignore the fact that Latinos, American Indians, were the people who were hit hardest by things like COVID. And we focus appropriately on anti-blackness without paying attention to Asian people who are being accused of bringing, quote, that virus here. So if we're going to have conversations about systemic racism, we need to face up to some realities and not just react to those on the far right, but understand so, it's an issue for all of us to deal with. So, Rory, do, do you believe that teaching anti-racism in schools can prevent acts of violence like what we just saw in Buffalo this week? I think what we need to be able to do is that we have to be able to teach to folks where they are. You know, it's like this labyrinth where we are. We're, we're all starting in a different spot. And so we need to be able to, to come back and tell our true history, tell our true history in a way that recognizes where we have been, what we've done, and then what else is it about our policies, our rules, our practices that sustain these negative notions, these, these biases, these stereotypes, and, and reduce folks to our lowest expectation of them instead of building people up to their highest expectation of ourselves and what our nation is about. We are, we are stuck in this old story, this yeah. old norm of our society. And so we need to, uh, to work in our churches, in our schools, in our, um, in, in our conversations like we are having today on, on, on your show, 
uh, reset that tells the world that, wait, the things that I've always thought were the way they were may not be, it may not be true. And I need to learn what is really true about each other. Yeah. We, we just, we're so stuck in this norm, this, this, this story that's been created about who we are and about what other people are, that we're unable to see how connected we are. Poor white folks have the same issues that poor black folks have, but we can't get together because we allow this this proxy of race to keep us apart. Yeah, and well, to, and, to, and so that's what that's the kind of work that has to be not just in our classrooms. It's got to be in our churches. It's got to be in our social organizations. It's got to be in one to one conversations. It's got to be who we say we are, and it's got to be what the news is willing to tell us as well. We got to leave it there. That's Rory Smith, who's a member and former co-chair of the Anti-Racism Commission of the Episcopal Diocese of Chicago. Also with us was Derek Dawson, the program coordinator for Chicago Regional Organizing for Anti-Racism. Thank you both. Now, sticking with this topic for a moment, yesterday on the show, I asked you what's been running through your mind in the wake of the racist mass shooting in Buffalo, New York. So here's a little bit of what some of you had to say. Hi there, my name is Erin. I'm living in Logan Square. Hi, this is Kristen. Hi, my name is Terry, and I'm from Schaumburg. Hi, my name is Angel. Hi, this is Pierre from Portage Park. My name is Grace. I live in Chicago, but I was born and raised in Buffalo, New York. My heart is breaking listening to your conversation today about the murders in Buffalo. Actually, my very first reaction is not again. Um, It's hard to believe that day after day, week after week, we have these news stories that pop up, uh, hoping no one gets numb to it because we need to stay on top of it. The first thought I had was actually of Donald Trump and how he has embraced white supremacy and how I think it's made it more normal for others to engage in it. We need to somehow rein in our problems of freedoms that are abused freedom of speech that's abused, freedom to own a weapon that's abused. There must be a better way to resolve all this. This individual targeted a very strong black community and it is not representative of the Buffalo that I know. How can we really prevent these things from happening to our home? Our neighbors, our friends, our family, their established communities, you know, earlier on. I just wonder, you know, was there a failure somewhere along the line? Was there anything that could have been done? When I think about the massacre the other day, I I just feel kind of tired. I've been hearing these things since I was a kid, you know, mass shootings, and I'm an African-American male, and I'm afraid to go out and protest or go anywhere out in public in a rally because I know I'll be the first guy to take that brick to the head. You know, when there is a lot of forward progress, there's going to be that much resistance. So, you know, if we can somehow keep our heads up that, you know, this is just a negative fighting back against positive and forward momentum that we're trying to make. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.